out of all the things that we do to, to make this podcast happen, introducing it by myself has to be the hardest. I reckon this would be take 20 or 30. Anyway, this week we are hanging out with the gang from Co-Conspirators at 55 Bar here in Melbourne. Uh, really good chat, really enjoyed uh, meeting those guys for the second or third time. Uh, they're, they're so positive and they're make, making really good beers. So, you know, it's uh, good to see those kind of people getting involved in the industry with so many other things happening. Just a quick note, our first Patreon podcast went up to subscribers at a $5 level uh, and I'm not sure if it actually worked. So if you are a Patreon subscriber and you can't access the podcast, you should be able to go through our page and check it out. But let me know uh, and I'll try work it out at our end. There should be a custom RSS feed that, that makes it all happen. If you want to be a Patreon subscriber and get this custom content, patreon.com slash time. The first episode was with Chris McNamara from the Independent Brewers Association and we kind of talked all about uh, what they're up to, all the comings and goings with Independent Beer in Australia and it was kind of spurred on by their economic survey that they put out recently. Uh, in addition, I just had the first tasting at Otter's Promise here in, in Melbourne. We tasted some dark beers uh, and thanks to the, the Patreon supporters that came along to that and uh, they got to taste a, a special beer after the tasting was finished. 2012 Cuvée Delphine from Destruce uh, that I, I grabbed from the cellar for the occasion. Um, we'll be doing another tasting in August. Uh, if you want to come along to that, it's going to be I think Britannomyces and maybe some other funky beers being tasted and any Patreon supporters at the $10 level and up will uh, get one or, or two tastes of something special afterwards. And it'll be probably something for my cellar and something no doubt a few years old from, from Belgium given the theme. Thanks again to the guys from Co-Conspirators. You should check, check their beers out. I think you can get them in Melbourne uh, and Brisbane as well. And if you want to catch up with us on the internet, you can get us at Isle of a Time Everywhere and Dave at Dave. And as I said, patreon.com slash Isle of a Time. Thanks for listening and we'll uh, chat to everyone again in a fortnight. Hello Dave. How are you? Good. Um, it's going to be a little bit loud today. We yeah. should give a disclaimer if our, our listeners haven't noticed that yet. I think also as the lights get dimmer, the music gets louder, which is good. Okay. Yeah. It's like a, it's the same button. Could be. Yeah. It's just maintain the power level. Do you want to, or do we want to sound off our guests? Because there's four of them and I, it's a little bit intimidating. I don't think we've ever had four We've never been like, outnumbered. Yeah. If this was a fight, these guys would have the upper hand. Just on sheer numbers. Uh, my reach is pretty good. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like that. I like the sound of that. Uh, the team from Co-Conspirators. So can we? Can you guys sound off for us? Uh, Jackie. Tim. Dion. And I'm Maggie. So Hi, you've everyone. all memorised their voices. You'll know exactly who's yeah. talking from now on. <laughs> Great. Who wants to start from you guys? I, I guess we are two couples that came together over a love of great beer, met through the home brewing scene, myself, Dion and Tim, and then we met Tim's lovely partner Jackie after that, when we all realised drunken anarchy was our favourite pastime. <laughs> so not only just drunkenness, but anarchy as well. Of course, of course. How did the uh, home brewing start with you guys? Just 
enjoying great local beer, kind of. We were influenced by my brother coming, me and Dion were influenced by my brother coming back from England, bringing us some great beers, showing us more great beers. And then I think we just kind of were like, we bought a house and suddenly I was, I found four, ke- three kegs somewhere and we were home brewing in the backyard pretty quickly. Fair enough. And when was this? Five years ago, I think. Something like that. It was a, I think it just a, the spark of an idea. And then suddenly I was like, oh, Dion, I've got three kegs in the car. Build me a brewery. <laughs> How do you just find three kegs? Luck. Okay, <laughs> say no more. <laughs> uh, now, the, you guys all sort of come out of the Mary Mashes Homebrew Club. Yeah, hi. So, um, you've no doubt heard about the Mary Mashes. And we've been, club's been around for quite a few years now. And, yeah, I met Maggie and Dion through the Mashes. And it's, um, yeah, it's a great homebrew club. It's taken off in Melbourne really well. Why is it called the Mary Mashes? Ah, it's a secret. We can't tell you. <laughs> if you join, we might. <laughs> Do I need to get paddled first? Yes, exactly. No, it's um, based around the northern suburbs of Melbourne and the Mary Creek. And uh, that's where the uh, name came from. It's quite a few breweries that sort of seem to come out of that homebrew club. It feels like it's a strong club for, for good beer. Yes. Uh, who else is coming out of there? Old Wives? Yes, yeah, so there was the Old Wives Ales that have come out. And then um, two cities, two cities as well. With Who are two Alec. cities, then you, um, you to me. Yeah, Alec Weber, yep. who's uh, based in Melbourne and Hobart. And yeah, then, then uh, we've come onto the scene, and uh, I don't think we're the last one. There might be more. I feel like you guys know more than you're letting on now. <laughs> Wait and see. Exciting times. And how did co-conspirators come about? Did you sort of wake up one day and say? Let's just do this professionally. Well, uh, for us, we won a competition and got to brew a red IPA commercially at Coinda and got to see it go around to bars in Melbourne and some up to Brisbane even so my family could try it. And just seeing complete strangers enjoying your beer kind of really lit a spark for us. And then Tim had a similar opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I um, also won a competition with a red IPA, funnily enough. And got to um, rebrew that uh, down at uh, Clifton Hill Brew Pub, and had a, had a great time. Thought it was really good fun. And also, um, quite a few years ago, I got to have a brew day down at Cavalier. Jackie had um, arranged for me to uh, play brewer for the day as a birthday present, and had a great day down there. And that day, I actually met Scotty McKinnon from Wolf of the Willows. And I uh, had a great chat to Scotty, and that really uh, motivated me to get into the scene. And yeah, now we're brewing with Scotty, and yeah, we're having right. a great time. How good! Um, now you guys have uh, packaged the red IPA. Is, it, is that right? Who won the recipe battle? <laughs> yeah, probably me. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and what was the what was the clincher? What went into the red IPA in the end? Yeah, I guess I guess all of us have different roles, and uh, the brewing is probably my my sort of role more than. More than the others, so I don't know, I'll probably have the final say. <laughs> <laughs> and that was your first beer to be released, was it? Doesn't sound like no, it. Was it? Oh, was no, it? we were almost not going to do a red IPA what just was the first beer? for fun. We released a West Coast IPA called The Henchman. Oh, that's right. It was a keg only release, we never At packaged the that one. Yeah. How did both of you have a red IPA recipe that won a competition and you thought about not releasing a red IPA? Too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that how long ago was the first release then, the henchman? December of last year was when we released. December the, um, ten. How, how nervous were you guys? Yeah, Tim got to the alehouse as soon as um, the doors opened, so we could have the first beer. And were you happy with with how it turned out and the feedback? Absolutely. Let's be honest, we were completely shit scared, and. Yeah, we made, what, 26 kegs, and we thought, gee, I hope this sells. And uh, it did. It went really well. We had a great night. Now, what, 26 kegs is nothing. We also learn a valuable lesson. Don't start a beer company in December, because when you try to sell beer in December, everyone's on Christmas holidays. (laughs) And also, if you launch with a uh, 6.8% beer, it gets pretty messy. (laughs) What was it like on day one, hearing the direct feedback from the punters about your beer? A complete and total buzz. I absolutely loved it. We had a great time. How many beers have you released since then? You've released quite a few. Six in seven months. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And is the plan to keep releasing or is it to settle down and... That seems to evolve <laughs> very constantly. <laughs> On a weekly basis. <laughs> when, when someone says, I have work to do at my real job or other <laughs> job, I can't release another beer. And then we get Bruce Face and release another beer. Anyway. <laughs> so contract brewing at the moment, is there, I guess, where, where about to you brewing? Are you brewing in one place or sharing around? Uh, so we're currently uh, brewing at Wolf of the Willows in Cheltenham and the, the Dayton Family Brewery down at Carum Downs. Uh, are you guys all over that side of the city? No, no. We're in Brunswick and Pasco Vale, so it's a bit of a hike out on brew days. Yes. <laughs> Selling that 26 kegs when you first launched, how did you do it? Turned up at bars with the sample and said, please try our beer. (laughs) And how did that go? We learnt a lot. (laughs) What did you learn? Probably sticking a tap decal on a bottle doesn't look super professional at the start. (laughs) (laughs) One of the vinyl kind of tap decals? Yeah. Yeah, And it was a tap decal. My sister-in-law in England just got an email saying, please design us something really quick. We need it right now was pretty kind everyone was nice it was more a matter of you've picked the wrong time of year we've bought all our beer for Christmas so what did you do I guess the next time you released a beer how did you change your approach just pure enthusiasm (laughs) I think we we really looked at the brands and thought we need to have something that relates to the beer as well as us and we knew Clinton who's from Pocket Beagles who's our designer through Emily at Froth. Uh, I think he did Brumanity on our last show as well. Absolutely so um, he started off with Brumanity and then we approached him and uh, we had a concept of what we wanted and then he said no we shouldn't do it we should do it this way. We, it changed quite a lot, but mm. from what we've got now, we're so super happy with Clinton and Marlon, who's his business partner as well, uh, just to give us a, a, a um, an identity. Um, people can now see our beer and taste our beer and buy beer from our from our design work. Mm. Um, so we, so we, we, ha- we owe a lot to them because they're amazing. We, so, we yeah, learnt sort of leave design to the experts. Yeah. <laughs> we're not designers. We'll stick to the beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that a lesson I think a lot of brewers almost need to realise is there are people that can help them within, you know, doing different things like like design. And I guess you guys have learned that in terms of, you know, now on the shelf your packaging looks good and, like, you know, it stands out. I think, Dave, you were wary of co-conspirators because it was too slick. Yeah, too slick. Like, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think in the last sort of three or four years... There's been a lot of slick marketing w- without good beer behind it. 
Um, so I think for a lot of people, maybe at the pointy end of the market, that's like a scar they've had. And I just thought slick marketing looks too good. And then I had the matriarch and I, everything changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we learned pretty early on that we can't design for shit. Yeah. And that we got a designer and he's awesome. Yeah. And uh, yes. And he, I, I think it helps that Clint and, and Marlon are both just as passionate about their product and making our product sing with their product in, involved as well. Like it's it's a it's a really great collaboration and that's one thing we like within this industry a lot is people coming together and we've really we've struck gold with them and we don't want to share but unfortunately we probably will have to share them. <laughs> When you guys came up with the brand or the idea to do this, what was your first step into, you know, getting contract space, getting a brand and going going out and doing it? Well, I think um, I, I, knew, I knew Scotty McKinnon for a long time and I, I've been chatting to him and, you know, he said, yeah, hey, we'd love to brew with you and we, we uh, worked it out and... Dion worked up some recipes and we got in touch. Yeah. And then we'd also... You make it sound so easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. It only took half an hour. It was all yeah. sorted, yeah. And uh, but for our first brew, that we um, got in touch with Brendan, um, who, who uh, brews at Public and also at 100 Acres. And um, he did a fantastic job helping us uh, brew the henchmen. And we learnt so much from Brendan. And, yeah, the whole industry has been amazing to us. Everyone has come out and helped us and said whatever we want um, they'll happily help us with it's been great and I think Old Wives Ales being kind of 12 months ahead of us really gave us some great pointers and tips at the start and they'd learned some hard lessons and we're happy to let us not have to go through that (laughs) (laughs) what were some of those lessons Uh, I think actually doing a decent sized first brew we all wanted to be quite timid and Mm. turned out to be 26 kegs we were probably more aiming for about 15 something around there and they they were like no just just do it actually if you've got confidence in your recipe and confidence in your beer go bigger because you will you'll regret it you'll sell out and you will be like you'll start disappointing people that you won't be able to supply them beer so that was a good first step it was they they pushed us it was good is that almost a case of now you know so there's so many people on the market if you can't always have your beer at a bar then they're just going to get someone else and then it's hard to get back in there? Definitely, definitely. And it is, as someone that handles some of the sales with Jackie, it's really nice to have a good relationship with a bar where it, it does, I don't have to turn up every week and check in and say hi. We can just talk over the phone or talk over on email and have a good relationship with them. They know our product sells well for them. They like us, we like them, we like their bar. I can just go in and actually have a beer with them instead of being like, please try my beer. <laughs> I'm going to give the bar we're in uh, a little plug because 55 have been very supportive. They've stocked all our package. They do tap beer as well. So little places that supply craft really help us out. So yeah, That's, yeah. Um, that's the first time I've been here and they've got all local beer on tap. They've got your, your beers in the fridge plus some other uh, pretty good beers. Um, yeah, it's good to find somewhere in the city that, that supports craft beer. Cause yep, and inde- independent bars, bottle shops, they're getting rarer and rarer. We have to show them support because they're showing us great support and we really appreciate it, definitely. 
Were you guys surprised to get that support from places like this? Yes. I, I this what Tim mentioned about um, the craft beer industry in general being super supportive and I think that extends to the bars as well. We've got so many clients that buy from us now and they keep on buying. Like We probably don't have many bars on our list that haven't re- repurchased beer. So as long as we can stock the beer and they're willing to buy it, which is great. And, and now we're expanding a little bit out interstate, you know, it's sort of putting the pink, the, 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 just trying to touch base with some of the, some contacts that we've made through the industry. Um, Maggie and Dion, I've uh, uh, got some friends up in Scra- uh, up in Queensland that are supplying our beer. We can give them a shout out. The yeah. Scratch Bar, Netherworld, great <laughs> establishments. <laughs> yep. Awesome people behind it and just, they show a lot of love to the brewing industry and the people involved in it. They're fantastic people that get, once you've got them on your side, they're there for life, which is, they've been phenomenal for us. That awesome. is nice. Do we know, uh, how long, sorry, has Ollie been managing here? I'm not sure. You should. We should ask him. Yeah. <laughs> we should ask him. He's just over there. Because you've, you've been here before. Yeah, right? I had been to the um, the previous management. It was called E55 uh, before they took over, and um, it was a dive. Uh, it, all it had going for it really was the central CBD location, and um, they had a lot of not Montes. a great deal, deal more. So, um, if you do know, if you're in Melbourne and you do know it, uh, give another go because it's definitely worth coming in. I reckon. Interesting you say they had a lot of Montes because that was the craft beer that, or the beer that got me interested in beer when I was 16 or 17. And it's it's weird to come into a bar now and see Montes and go, eh. And also, like, so far away from home, it's, yeah. They yeah. unfortunately got bought out anyway. Oh, they've always been bought out. They never existed as a brand before they, uh, their story's very fabricated. It's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys tell us how you come up with a beer with so many people? Like, how, do you have planning meetings or how does that look? <laughs> We're very overdue for one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of drunken arguments. <laughs> I don't know. We had an idea and we just, it just, we just talked for weeks and weeks and weeks. And yeah, just, we came up with this identity and. It's just grown into this little family now, and it's um, fantastic. And then Clint came along and brought it to life. When you want to brew a beer or, or come up with a new release, how do you come up with the recipe for that? Oh, the, the recipe or the yeah, name? the yeah. recipe, yeah. Deal? Yeah, so I guess we, we sort of sit down and try and work out what beer to release next, and I guess it sort of depends on the season and what else is going on. So uh, we come up with the what beer we want to release, and then I just do test batches until I get it uh, get it as close to where, where it should be. And then Do you test batch on like your home brew systems? Yeah, that's yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. So every every beer has probably had uh, four or five test batches before it sort of uh, sort of nail it and um, sort of experiment, put different uh, different ingredients, different hops, sort of play around a bit, and then sort of uh, work out what's what's the best uh, best way forward. So, do you guys both brew a similar like a style or idea and see what works for both of you, or do you just do your own stuff, Dion? Well, I guess I, I guess we sort of uh, like hop forward beers. I think all of us, that's that's where palate lies and that's probably the kind of beers we're going to produce uh, in the future. But, um, yeah, we sort of... Yeah. Nice and expensive beers to brew, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's My right. main job is stopping Dion buying more hops. You should organise maybe twice a year to not restrain him at all. Just use as many hops <laughs> as you want, Dion. The Matriarch was probably your, uh, your last release, New England IPA. 
uh, the, the hot style, the buzz style at the moment. What was your approach to doing a New England IPA and why and how and give us all the... For one of a better phrase, juicy details. There you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, boo. I was yeah. going to say murky details. And it was way better than what I had. It's all very hazy how it came oh, about. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, look, I guess, I guess it's a style of beer that's uh, been massive in the US and it's really taken off there and it's, it's only a matter of time before it started uh, moving over here. So it's a, it's a recipe we had uh, locked down uh, quite a while ago. Um, it was just finding the right time to release it and um, it's, it's, uh, it's been well received and it's, it's going well. So yeah, we, we're happy. And what was your approach to the recipe? Are you putting, you know, how are you getting the haze and the... Yeah, it's all, it's all about the play between the yeast and the hops. So it's about uh, dry hopping during, during fermentation. It's getting the correct style of yeast, which we've uh, flown in from the US, and then just plenty of, plenty of hops, just a, just a truckload of hops. What yeast are you using? Uh, so it's London, London L3. It's interesting, like, New England IPA has started the conversation about yeast and IPAs again, where that wasn't ever a conversation. And now people are... Asking other brewers or asking brewers what yeast they're using rather than what hops they're using. Can I ask you now what hops you're using? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Citra, Eldorado, and Mosaic. Yeah. So fairly, fairly Citra heavy, and uh, a little bit of Mosaic. I've, I've been told I've got to use less Mosaic, but this one needs a little bit of Mosaic. So. Why? Why less Mosaic? Uh, no, it's because uh, I've just got a obsession with Mosaic, so uh, I put it in every beer. Yes, Dion tends to bathe in Mosaic. And uh, yeah, he goes to Hops Anonymous. Yeah. What do you like about Mosaic? It's it's just the best, and 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 every in every way it's the best. He sneaks it in stouts at home, like he is obsessed. <laughs> are you are you trying a homebrew and you're like, did you put Mosaic when I wasn't looking? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Every new batch, got it, Dion. Mosaic, you're sure? Okay. <laughs> um, let's tell us about homebrew. Do you all still homebrew? You're all nodding. That doesn't work on podcasts. Yeah. Uh, oh, didn't you hear that? <laughs> yeah, yes, we do. All right. We've got a lot of homebrewers that listen. Can I hear about your homebrew setups? We'll start with you guys first. What do you brew on? Uh, three vessel homes. Dion kind of pieced together, built. I was not allowed to near any of the power tools. It's an engineering marvel. It's, uh, it's three old crappy kegs that have been uh, stuck together uh, in a home system. So it's a three vessel homes. Do you keg everything? Uh, yeah, we do, yeah. Yep. And have you got your, a kegerator and a little tap set up in your house? Three taps? Nice. How, how long did it take you um, bottling your home brew to go, I'm sick of this, let's get some keg gear? Yeah. We actually had a keg before we even started home brewing. So, so we, went, we went straight into, uh, straight into kegging from the start. Tim, tell us about yours. Yeah, I saw pain in Tim's yes. eyes just then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got a uh, brow monster, 50 litre brow. And so we've got robot power. And yeah, a um, keg is a HLT. And yeah, it's um, easy. You can uh, brew from the couch. Do you brew from the couch? Absolutely. Yes. While watching a movie and eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs> what a day. <laughs> you say that so confident, you're like, yeah, it's. Oh, yeah. Of course, we're doing that. Yeah. What do you do? We're Get up and use your legs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're like out in the weather in the backyard. You got you get luxury. You fools. Tim's Tim's homebrew setup com- actually takes over our two 
garage, two car garage, and the car has to sit outside. And the whole point of getting this current house was because it had a two car garage. And now the car still stays out. So I'll, I'll up you. We have fermenters in our bedroom. <laughs> we have fermenters. In, we have beer stuff in every room of the house. Yes, every room of the house and the back shed. But the so constant bubbling of fermentation, you can fall asleep to. No yeah, worries. It's yeah. just peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> I used to when I used to homebrew. I used to stress if I didn't hear bubbling. Like, oh my, my beer's not bubbling away. What's going on? So having it that close to me would be. So much anxiety. <laughs> They're long-term sours. They don't bubble oh, okay. too often. <laughs> the fermentation fridge is in another room, thankfully. I feel like my girlfriend, if I said, can I bring some sour into the bedroom, she'd be like, there's too much sour in our lives. <laughs> uh, Jackie, are you the only non-home brewer then from the, the crew? Yes. I love, I've always drank beer. Um, always drank Tim's homebrew. My sort of background of sales and marketing that's my day job so that's my contribution so all the social and liaising with yeah Maggie's laughing because I'm constantly on my phone um we, we may need to do an intervention between yeah. you and your phone at some I point I can't leave the couch or anywhere without my phone and I do all the liaising with Clinton and Marlon with so that's sort of my side of the business and where I've come from so what's your favorite of Tim's homebrews it's gonna be a little bit cliche but um, the bean counter is actually Tim's homebrew recipe that converted slightly. Um, and so the coffee porter, I still love it. And I still love it when it's commercially made and when he makes it at home. So, yeah. Have great. you had any like rude shocks scaling up your recipes um, with cost? Just, just the accountant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's that's um, only when Dion buys all the hops. Yeah, yeah no, um, bean counter's fine, but... Um, yeah, when Dion goes to town on an IPA, it sort of melts the credit card, so yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the names, because you've obviously got the bean counter. What about you got the matriarch, henchman? How do you come up with the names for them? We uh, open up a few beers. <laughs> and, uh, after a lot of um, uh, heated discussion <laughs> uh, and a few more beers, we have a name. <laughs> they, they're all underworld characters, so they're all sort of... Uh, the co-conspirators, and there's um, there's a bit of a bit of a theme to them, and you sort of look at the beer you're brewing and how it would fit in, and um, yeah, a few few discussions, and eventually come up with a name. So, tell us about what's going to be next. Uh, uh, is the plan? You're obviously all working full time still. Do you want to one day have a brew pub, brewery? Is that in the planning? You're pointing each other and looking at each other. <laughs> uh, that is the eventual goal. I think a, a brew pub is a fantastic model of actually getting to know your customer getting creative freedom in your brewery. It may be a little bit of a smaller brewery, but that leads to more experimentation, I think. And actually just being able to talk directly to the consumer and see what they think. You cut out the middlemen of the process, which can sometimes be the aggravating part of the process. <laughs> and I, as a creating a really amazing venue would be cherry on top of that kind of thing. You could show a lot of support for other local industries with that venue. Do you have any timeline for that? ASAP. <laughs> what um, sort of area would you be thinking? Would you uh, make it close to the Mary Mash's hearts? I, I would love to be able to walk my dog to it. Fair <laughs> enough, yeah. So there wouldn't be any competition with Dainton down in Karam or anything like that with that? <laughs> no, no. It's, it's great to learn lessons from both Dayton and Wolf of the Willows, seeing as they have similar setups, definitely. They can 
obviously talk about the pros and cons of them and the pros and cons of setting them up. But um, I think we'd prefer to have it closer to where we both live, mostly so I can walk the dog there. <laughs> so medium term then is to sort of keep keep contracting and keep releasing new beers. Yeah. Yes. Again, all nodding. <laughs> yeah, we're just working on. Um, understanding what our core range is at the minute and sort of seeing how the market's responding to the beers that we've put out and everyone seems to be liking what we're doing so we're brewing a bit more and we're just going to sort of um, grow it a bit organically like that for a little while and uh, sort of, yeah, develop a core range. What advice, uh, I know we've got a lot of listeners that are looking to move into contracting or opening their own brewery, what advice after six months do you guys have for people? Don't do it. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> no, it, look, it's a lot of hard work. Do your homework. But it is, um, it's a lot of great fun. Uh, I know we absolutely love it and it's a total passion. What's, and what's the hardest bit of work you found? Don't expect to get the, paid is the advice. <laughs> I was going to say cleaning out the mash tub. Yeah. <laughs> So no one pays you and you've got to clean a lot, basically. Yes, lots and lots of cleaning. The the payment thing, that's, that comes up quite a bit in terms of, you know, everyone has 30-day terms on, on paying things. And for a small business like you guys, is that, you know, is managing cash flow a big struggle? Daily. <laughs> cash flow is a daily challenge, but um, that's, you know, for the whole hospitality industry and sort of we're working with everybody and... You know, yeah, we are just work with great customers and everything's going really well. Did you anticipate that before you started? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So that, you were kind of knew how that was going to work? Yes, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. That, that wasn't a, a dig at the customers at all. That was more, uh, if you are going into this, it's lots of hard work and you won't be making any money. <laughs> at least you say that with a smile on your face. <laughs> Dave, do you have any more questions? One more. You observed old wise owls for a year and learned some lessons off them. Who in the Merry Mashers are learning some lessons off you guys for the future? Oh, we're shift oh, workers. Laughs. That doesn't sound good. Yeah. We're shift workers. We don't make the meetings as much as we should anymore. <laughs> no, that's privileged information. Fair enough. Thank you, though. If you do join tip. up, we may tell you. Oh. Anything you guys want to tell us about Merry, uh, not Merry Mashers? Or about Mary, hey, maybe Merry Mashers as well, if you yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, now's your time to plug why people should buy your beer. God, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> you should always be prepared <laughs> for that question. This has thrown me before, actually. It's just great beer. We enjoy making it. We want to bring you great beer. We, to a fault, we'll use the best quality ingredients we can get our hands on. We're not going to skimp on that, and that was a decision we made. So we're going to bring you the best quality beer we can every time, consistently, hopefully. And interesting beers that can grab your attention. Jackie, you look like you have something Please to add. add to that. Oh, um, I think also we want to also, with Conspire, like we want to, um, with future beers, like um, use local producers, uh, Victorian producers, um, that make some, uh, you know, quirky beers in the future. And, um, you know, we, we use Padre Coffee with the bean counter, which is a local roaster to where, to where we live. They've been mentioned we, on the show more We than love once. Padre yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Great. Um, I think I buy most of my beans from those guys. So do we. Every day. <laughs> <from> there, yeah. <laughs> also the little tartlets they have. At the <laughs> bacon and egg tart. Yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> got, to, got to make a beer with the tart by the sound. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just stemming off from that. So hopefully um, in the future we can make some, you know, um, some great more... 
great beer again, but using some local producers who want to work with us as well. So we're going to coin the term co-conspire. Yes. It'll take over. Instead nice. of collaborating or uh, spooning as the Yeasty Boys yeah, as the Yeasty Boys <laughs> have coined, yeah. There is actually a lot of spooning involved <laughs> <Okay>. as well. <laughs> if anybody listening wants to uh, follow along with the co-conspirators. Um, they can go to sales at co-conspirators.com.au um, or our website uh, www.coconspirators.com.au awesome. and our fantastically our managed Insta- Instagram and Facebook. Oh yes, um, Instagram at co-conspirators beer. beer, co-conspirators brewing for Facebook. And it sounds like, from what I've heard and gathered, you'll get prompt responses on the social medias at all hours of the day. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, prob- I'm glad your bosses probably don't listen then. If that's, uh... <laughs> yes, and um, Dion will help you out on Snapchat as well. <laughs> one Snapchat. I think, I think I think there is one Snapchat on there. Everyone so. starts with one Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for coming along. Uh, it's awesome to, to chat to people with doing great beer and that you all look so happy doing it. Keep doing what you do and... Uh, Absolutely. Thank you so uh, much, and Thank guys. you to 55 Bar for, being, for hosting. Uh, yeah. Thank you to Toe Hider for, the theme, for music. the theme music. Always appreciative. All right. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thanks for having us. Thank you.